What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where we hear real stories from real men living real lives. I'm your guide, Ned Shout. Fatherhood is not only about being a dad. It incorporates providing and serving a home, loving and serving a spouse, engaging and serving in a community, as well as intentionally serving your kiddos. Fatherhood is an adventure, one full of fun, wild, and definitely messy stories. In this podcast, we will hear stories from real men who have found themselves living the adventure of fatherhood. I'm still smiling. I just finished editing this episode with my new friend, Eric Warner from Valiant Coffee, and I'm so stoked. This guy is incredible. You're going to love this conversation, and there's just so much to this. It's really exciting. I was introduced to Eric by a friend. Um, They make incredible coffee in Newcastle, California, and their whole thing is about excellence and really mastery of a profession. And what's so cool is this is not just about coffee, but as you hear his story, as you hear his life, he is going all out in being in tune with who he is as a man, as a father, as a husband, and with his profession of making excellent coffee. And what I'm super pumped on is Rebel and Creates doing a collaboration with them for a gift for Father's Day. I couldn't be more pumped and excited for this. So I've had this idea of adventure of fatherhood and how fatherhood is an, is an adventure. And so we have a box coming out for Father's Day limited run. We're only doing 50. It's going to come with an adventure of fatherhood t-shirt, a bag of valiant coffee and the fatherhood legacy journal. Now, if you love coffee, if you have a dad that loves coffee or a dad who doesn't have the fatherhood legacy journal or a new dad, I love the idea of inviting new dads into their role of fatherhood. So this would be an incredible first father's day gift. It would be an incredible father's day gift for anybody, but you can go on rebel and creates website right now and check that out. You're going to get an incredible bag coffee and some goodies with rebel and create. Thank you for listening and enjoy this conversation around fatherhood. Oh man, I'm super excited to be talking to Eric Werner about fatherhood. Eric, what's up, man? How are you? Doing well. How about yourself, Ned? I am doing fantastic because I just finished drinking uh, two cups of your coffee, which was delicious. Uh, you and I were introduced by my friend Josh Crakeover, or I should say our friend uh, Josh. And I had been looking around for a, uh, I want to do a collaboration, right? For Father's Day, uh, which is coming up here pretty quick and uh, send out the Fatherhood Legacy Journal with a bag of delicious coffee, but specifically whoever was a part of roasting that coffee. Uh, I wanted the coffee company to have a dad who was a engaged dad. So he mentioned you with Valiant Coffee. Right on, man. Yeah. Thanks, Josh. Uh, yeah. Well, what a good compliment, right? For somebody to say you're a great dad. And what he specifically said, and I don't even think I told you this, was that you were a creative dad. Oh, wow. Why do you, why do you think he said that? I don't know. Straight, put you on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, so the couple times that Josh and I have hung out have been at like community events. And nine times out of 10, I have my boy with me at those because uh, it's hard for us to get like babysitters or, you know, our, our family's not around. So yeah. Um, yeah, usually Theo's with me and we're, he's running around at the community event and we're just finding ways to make it work, you know? And so I'm sure Josh saw that and, and probably thought, wow, he's making it work. That's yeah, man. doable. That's, 
Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. And I'm super excited about this. We're making 50 boxes. So we're just keeping it small, limited. It's going to be the journal, a mug and a bag of Valiant coffee, um, which is going to be delivered for, for dads, you know, as a gift for father's day. So that'll be a really fun little project we're doing together. So, uh, thanks for being willing to, uh, to do that with me. Oh man. Thanks for inviting us. We're stoked. Right on. So, for people to get to know you a little bit better, I'm going to just blast you with a few questions. How old are you? 32. 32. And how long have you been married? Been married for nine years. Uh, in March, we hit nine years. So that was that was fun. Nice, man. That's awesome. Yeah. And then you have one child? Yeah, we've got a four-year-old uh, okay. and another one on the way. They'll be here. I think he's he or she is landing. We don't know yet. I say he. We just use he. It right, because like that's what you know right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but landing that baby's landing in August. Dang! And are you going to find out or no? Nope, nope. Yeah, we waited for Dude, Theo. That's fun. Um, and it's it's been kind of fun, man. We just we kind of play it by ear and see who this baby is, and uh, when they come out, we usually wait and give them a name. And Theo was baby for three days until we we got a name for him. So. Dude, we're the nurse. So we only did that with one of our kids where we didn't know when, 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 uh, Violet was born, it was just, I forget even what name we had for her. Um, my wife would know obviously on the spot, but, uh, we didn't name her for three days and the nurses were just <laughs> hammering us, hammering us for the name. Was it like that for you or no? Well, we did a home birth. So, uh, uh okay. Okay. It was a little bit, uh, I guess I wouldn't say easier in terms of like just the paperwork was easier. We, we were home. Yeah. Uh, Kayla had the baby and went upstairs and slept for a couple hours and then just got our paperwork done later. So dude, that's rad. What a, what a fun experience, man. Yeah, it was, it was nuts. It was really amazing. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. So, uh, married nine years, Theo's four baby. Number two is in the cooker on the way. Um, we've already kind of established this, but I want to talk about this for a minute. So you roast coffee. Yeah. Tell me about what you do for a living, how long you've done it. And I'm sure you could talk to me about this for 10 hours. So we'll talk about it for five or so minutes about why coffee and your love for coffee. Yeah. Um, Man, I think, I think my love for coffee started probably when I was five, my dad would brew a pot and it was, I'm sure it was just garbage, like some tin can coffee, but you know, <laughs> no names, we had huh? what we had. Okay. You're a gentleman. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was rough, but I just remember coming out in the morning and you know, uh, my dad was a tech guy. And so he'd wake up super early, brew a pot of coffee. And I just remember the smell coming into the kitchen and I would ask him every single day, can I have a cup? Can I have a cup? Can I have a cup? You know, it's funny here I am like 25, 28 years later. And, and my boy's asking me the same question every day. He's like, dad, can I have some black coffee? And so anyways, started drinking coffee probably when I was five or six. Um, and then, you know, fast forward college, did a bunch of stuff in college, did video, English writing, all these things that I just, I was all over the place. Uh, ended up going to culinary school for a year and, um, got into the industry Spent a couple years in in culinary, um, spent about six years in ministry, and then my friend and I bought a coffee roaster together in 2014. So that was six years ago, um, and 
that was I'd had a couple of jobs in in coffee before that. Um, but we just, you know, him and I, he was working at a cafe. Uh, I was working at a church. We were both kind of like, man, we we need something to like pass down to our kids when we have them, um, something to raise up our families in and and just provide. Um, we just realized that the way the system is, if you're, uh, you know, working for an employer, um, with our skills, you know, we, I was in the kitchen, they don't pay you super well. It's not known for being a high paying job. Right. Uh, you know, Luke was front of house at a, at a cafe and we were just like, man, we need a better, we need a better idea. We need something. So I knew how to roast coffee. He found the roaster, him and I drove down. There was a whole story behind that. I won't really get into much of it, but, um, essentially there were a couple boxes that we decided, you know, if we go down and we can't check off these boxes, we're not going to get it. And that's fine. Um, and all the boxes checked. We were like, all right, cool. We bought the roaster two weeks later, brought it back to uh, my mom's garage in, in Ofer, Newcastle, California, and started roasting. So been roasting ever since. And now we're in a, we're in a warehouse in Loomis. Um, we have, I think about a thousand square feet. Um, and we're just moving coffee every day. It's, it's been a slow organic growth, um, really taking our time, trying to do it right, make sure everything's buttoned up and lined up and not overload ourselves with, um, just too much. We're just trying to focus on the market locally and get really good craft coffee out to people, um, roasted as best as is possible with the machine that we have. We have a really good machine with really good green coffee going into it, and we control every step of the way by hand. Um, so each batch that comes out, it's five pounds at a time. Um, basically, like being in a, a fine dining restaurant kitchen, but with a coffee roaster. So, man, that's so cool. Yeah, I was blown away. So, like, you know, we're in Hawaii right now, and we ordered bags of coffee. Um, we ordered bags of coffee and then it came pretty, pretty quick, like within a week. And then, you know, you look at the roast date and it was April 15th. And then I think the coffee arrived on April 18th, which is pretty rad. And I was trying to go, okay, cause we buy like a, we like decent coffee. We, we usually buy a certain coffee and I went to check out, um, their roast date, right? Because yeah. I'm like, this is good. And it's still like it was 30 days ago, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. which I don't really, you know, uh, I'm not the craftsman on the coffee, but uh, it was just like, I was pretty blown away how quick that turnaround was. Um, and even in reading your stuff, I mean, all your stuff is be excellent, which we'll talk about from the point of printing your own label. So it sounds like if you roast five pounds and you feel like some of the notes or the flavors you're getting are different. You're going to adjust that label then, aren't you? Yep. Yeah. Well, we can edit and print all of our labels in house. Um, we just upgraded that. We used to do everything on eight and a half by 11 printer paper and cut it out and like run it through a sticker maker. Mm -hmm. it, took, it took hours and we finally just got this short run label printer for the shop and it's, it's been a dream. Man, that's so cool. But yeah, that's so cool. I love, I mean, even from the point of you telling the story, um, you know, cause I put you on the spot on, on asking that question a bit, but you wanted to create something to pass down to your kids and raise your families in. Those are pretty, those are pretty big life decisions there, um, that you're going to spend your life, you know, at, let's see, it was 2014. So at 20, 20, uh, 
six years old, you're, you're, you're thinking that far along um, and that you found a business partner that seems to, to think similar to you? Oh, yeah. I've known Luke for uh, almost nine years now. Um, pro- like probably nine years. We, uh, we were friends at church and then um, we just clicked it off. He's, you know, he's a hardworking guy. Um, both of us have that, have that mentality of, you know, do the work and you'll bear the fruit of it later. You know, it's, mm. it's nothing is a quick reward. Nothing's a quick turnaround. It just takes effort and elbow grease. And, um, we were kind of raised in that school of thought of like, you know, uh, just work, working hard and it'll pay off and working hard and working smart yeah. in conjunction will pay off even, uh, faster. So, yeah, for and, sure. He's been he's been a really good friend. I mean, aside from being a business partner, Luke is it, besides my wife, Luke is one of my best friends on this earth and uh it's been a it's been awesome doing business with him. So. Yeah, man, that's cool. So as you became a dad 4 years ago, what has what are some resources that have been good um for you, whether books or mentors or something else? What's been some good resources? Um right off the bat, I would I mean I would say the Bible. Um, hmm. I started reading the Bible when I was 21, uh, got saved, went to church. Um, you know, there was a, a lot of stuff going on in my life before then that was pretty messy. And um, I'd never opened the Bible in my life and had this dream one night. Uh, and there was this word that was stuck in my head. And uh, I had to like Google what this word was. It was Leviticus. And so I go through and, and start reading, uh, like looking up what that word meant. And then I had to like climb into the attic of my parents' house to get the family Bible out of the, you know, the dusty box in the attic. And, and I start reading this book and I was like, what the heck is this? You know, like, uh, anyways, you know, so it, that kind of was a, a, a big turning point for my life. Um, and as a dad, you know, it just, it, the Bible for me sheds light on the way things are in the world. It explains, you know, why humans are broken, why humans are messed up and why, um, we need help and we places that, that we're vulnerable and need fixing. And, um, as a dad, it's just a great anchor point for me to take my son to and be like, Hey, look, like you're feeling this way. Here's kind of why. Um, and here's a way to help it. And then like practically on a day to day level, um, Mr. Rogers has been insane. Okay. (laughs) Uh, So my son, uh, we tried to get him to watch it when he was two. And for whatever reason, like in the last six months, he's like, Oh, Mr. Rogers is awesome. And, um, you know, I, I kind of began a journey of, uh, emotional and and mental health, uh, like doing some work on myself in the last three years. And, uh, through that process, uh, was reintroduced to Mr. Rogers and, man, I just like, that guy was rad. He was so down to earth and legit and just tuned in with what was going on. Um, and just, you know, the fact that he, he made a show, started it in the fifties or sixties, and it's still, it's the same stuff today. You know, it still applies emotionally and mentally and, um, just how things work in the world and how to deal with that. You know, uh, he just clues into that on a level for kids. That's amazing. Um, so it's been really rad. That's awesome because what you're saying is you can watch this with your son and he's getting something out of it. And then you're also getting something out of it because it's a resource 
because if you want to be a dad, you got to be in tune with yourself, um, with life. And so that's how it's, it's, it's something you guys can do together. And then it's also just keeping you in tune on life. Yep. Yeah. And that's cool. That's cool. All right. I need to get into some of that and check it out. Amazon. <laughs> Amazon. There we go. Okay. So this podcast is fatherhood field notes, okay. right? And the idea is men are opening up their life to us, which you've already started to do, right? It's like, all right, check it out, guys. Here's where I've been so that we can learn from that. And the mantra is rebel and create. And uh, what that is, is it can apply to something as small as I'm rebelling against uh, being on my cell phone at the dinner table because I want to create more intentional conversation or I'm rebelling against this, you know, this mentality of what fatherhood is or manhood is on a global basis because it's what, you know, I learned as a kid and now I want to create something that I think is more intentional with my life. Mm -hmm. So what's something that you are currently rebelling against and what do you hope to create out of that? Uh, great question. Um, I think for rebelling against this goes back again to the, to the mental health thing. Um, like I said, I, I kind of started this journey three years ago. Uh, there was a bunch of stuff in my life that needed to get worked out. It was affecting my marriage. It was affecting my business. Um, and I was totally blind to it all. And, uh, you know, I came out and, uh, was talking to my wife and we were just having a lot of issues and, um, a lot of conflict. And I just came out and was like, Hey babe, this happened to me as a kid. And this happened to me for my youth from the time I was nine to the time I was 19. I was, um, you know, so let me parenthetically just explain what that was. Um, when I was seven years old, uh, my parents, divorced. And then my mom remarried when I was nine. And uh, I had a stepdad who he grew up in a broken home and he grew up in a home that was, uh, his mom was uh, schizophrenic. And so there was a lot of abuse, um, a lot of violence in his home and he didn't have any tools to deal with it. So that got translated into my upbringing, which my home life was very violent, very abusive um, really volatile. Uh, and I know as guys, like <clears throat> we don't really, you know, it's just kind of like, Oh, pull your, pull your pants up and, you know, pick yourself up by your bootstraps and just power through it. And like that, that worked for about three years mm. out when I was 19. Uh, no, well, it, I would say it never worked <laughs> actually looking back, you know, I tried to make it. Yeah. Work. Yeah. Um, but that mentality of just, you know, just soldier on and and just muscle through it. That didn't really work. It, what it ended up doing was damaging a lot of people in my life and um, hurting my wife and hurting uh, you know my relationship to friends and and people in church and um, you know um, it was just really really messy. Um, and so I had all this internal struggle going on that I never dealt with. And so three years ago, started going to therapy started learning about um, what was going on in my heart and mind and kind of how to start sorting through that. Um, And so I would say like, you know, what things am I rebelling against? Um, What that boiled down to was when I began to understand some of the processes that were going on in my mind, uh, meaning when we interact with the world, when we go out and do life, um, 
psychology kind of breaks up how our minds operate into two things. Uh, there are, well, there's a lot of different things, but there's false self and true self. So who you are as a person deep down, and then the false self that you present to the world in order to survive. Um, and I'd been operating in false self for so many years. And we create these parts to survive in the world, to deal with uh, pain, to deal with trauma, um, to deal with just hard situations that, you know, as children, they call them impossible situations. And as you begin to understand those and identify them, you can do the work of healing and reintegrating and becoming a whole person rather than this fractured human that is kind of like being different things to different people at different times. Um, so some of that people call, you know, you may say like your inner critic, that would be mm. a false self. Somebody, yeah. this thing in your mind that's constantly like, you're doing it wrong, you're doing it wrong, you're doing it wrong. And for me, that was that was a lot of what the, the stuff going on in my mind is I just doubted everything that I was doing. Uh, I was worrying constantly about what people might think about my performance. Um, and even that, you know, you put that as a word and you define what performance is, it's fake, you know, <laughs> job performance, yeah. right? You know, that's right, not real. Right. Um, so I was, I was worried about what people thought of me. I was worried about, am I doing the right thing? Am I making the right decision? Um, and so all this stuff, this, this shell just got cracked open and I started this really hard work three years ago. And, um, I guess it was two January, 2018. Yeah. Two years, two and a half years ago. And, uh, been growing through it ever since. And, um, but yeah, I guess, you know, if you want to say rebelling against something, I've been rebelling against the inner critic, rebelling against these preconceived notions that I have about myself and questioning them saying, Oh, is that really true? Or am I just feeling that so that I don't get hurt? You know, is, is this thing that's happening? Is this because, you know, here's a great example. Uh, right now we're, we're going through a global pandemic. Businesses are hurting. Businesses are shutting down. Um, people right. are having a really hard time. People are sick, um, all over the world. Like, you know, millions of people are sick. Hundreds of thousands of people have died from this thing. Um, but in, in, in my little circle, you know, one of the things we're navigating is like, how do we do business? How do we provide for, because literally every sale that we have right now feeds our families, right. my family, right. Luke's family, our employees, you know, one of them has a mortgage. One of them has a baby on the way. We're like, how do we, how do we make this work? And right at the beginning, there was this panic in my head of like, man, what, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? And it's like, oh no, you didn't do anything wrong. This is just happening. And we just have to figure out how to navigate through it. And as soon as that light bulb turned on of like, this wasn't because you were an idiot. This is just because this is what's going on in the entire world right now. It's like, oh, okay. Burden lifted. Continue. Dude, you that's, know. there's so many incredible points you've made with that one. Just to pause on that, that you saying to yourself, you're not an idiot. I think that a lot of times us men um, think that we're the idiot. like we, And so then we'll just power through it and maybe pretend we're not. But inside we think we're an idiot. This is our fault. But like you're saying, this pandemic, this isn't your fault. This isn't your fault that things are happening to the business. And if you, and if you maybe thought it was your fault, you'd live as a victim. 
and and then the business may crumble. But instead, you're choosing to go, well, this isn't my fault. So I'm not going to live as a victim. I'm going to keep moving forward and doing my best. Hopefully, you know, and, and that's a much better place to show up for your business every day, regardless of what ends up happening is like you're showing up with the intention of, of excellence and greatness. Um, dude, you're just rebelling against so much. I mean, just to pause for a second, you know, cause we could just glide right through this incredible story you're sharing with me and just be like, wow, that's so great. But dude, you're rebelling against, like you said, your stepfather first divorce is very hard for kids to get, you know, that's very difficult. Then on top of that, to then have this dude show up and you to even extend some grace to say he didn't have the tools. Well, you showed up without having the tools, but you're rebelling against accepting that, right? So you're going to fight that and say, okay, well, I'm going to go figure out what skills I need because that's what human beings who are intentional do. Mm. So you're rebelling against this this sense of like the cycle, right? That's the cycle is if we didn't learn, if we didn't have a guide, as a father, then it's almost like you're set up not for success, but you're rebelling against that, um, rebelling against that mentality of pull my, you know, pull up my boot by my bootstraps, and I'm gonna just, you know, get through this as a tough guy all li- all my life. But that's the piece that that a lot of dudes are missing is the vulnerability, you know. And I don't know what the thing was that that made it where you decided to tell your wife okay, here we go. This is, this is where I'm at. This is my true self, but to open up like as men to open up. And then once you did that, it sounds like it gave you this huge opportunity to then work on yourself, which is so freaking rad because if more men just were vulnerable, took Mm -hmm. that moment, took off the bandaid, but then to say, Hey, I'm watching Mr. Rogers. I'm going to counseling. I'm working on my mental game. Like, dude, there's a lot of rebellion going on. Uh, in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. Can I actually get into that really? Cause that's kind of a, it, that's man. a big thing. Um, I've wanted to talk to people about this and I've never really had like the platform to, it was a great time. Um, the thing that was the impetus for change in my life at that moment was, uh, self-medication. Um, I was experiencing and living in the trauma from my past. And I, let me just say this about my stepdad. You know, I, I said he had his, um, he had his stuff and it got transferred. And I think, I honestly think that he was doing the best that he could with the tools that he had. He didn't have Mm -hmm. a lot of tools. Um, and he had what he used, what worked for him. The only thing was, is the things that worked for, you know, his life at work or his survival, um, ended up hurting me and my mom and probably my, my brother, you know, and, uh, those, those things cause pain and cause trauma. Um, you know, it's not like I'm vengeful toward him or anything. It's just, he was a pretty confused and messed up guy at the time. And, you know, I don't, we've, my family has uh, stepped back from our relationship with them just during this time of healing. But, you know, he did teach me a lot of stuff. He was the one who taught me how to work hard, you know, how to basically, if you think of it like a uh, military training where these guys, you know, you have, your body has its limits. Uh, but if you train and you practice, you can actually push your body to do more work. And he's the guy that taught me how to work. I was cutting down trees when I was 11 years old, you know, building big old burn, burn piles and pretty much taught me how to do all this stuff. So there was good in it. 
Um, but it just, there was a lot of really hard stuff too that, that came yeah. along with it. You know, there's a mixed yeah, so bag. I, I want to just take note of that because that's really critical that you say that. I think as men, as humans, it's okay to look at your past and say, okay, what do I want to take and build upon? And then what do I want to cut out? And I think sometimes we don't think that. We just think, well, this is the bag of tricks I got. And so this is all I got. It's like, no, it's your life. You decide what do you want to keep and then build upon that work ethic and create something fabulous for your life and your family. And then what are the things that you go, nah, this isn't me. This isn't what I want. You straight up have the ability to course correct and mm-hmm. take those things out. So dude, kudos, because that's a great lesson for us dudes to not just think, I hate the freaking saying, man, well, this is just who I am, right? Yeah. Like, well, this yeah. is how I operate. Well, is it how you want to operate? Cause if not, then just get to work. Yeah, exactly. Make the change. Exactly. So there's, there's that thing moving back to the, my little soapbox, the, the self-medication at the time, uh, it was alcohol and pornography. And I think those two things in, in the culture of men do such damage to our integrity as men. Um, I was experiencing a lot of pain and, you know, I got introduced to pornography when I was, shoot, I was like maybe 12 and got hooked. And, um, when I got saved, when I was 21, uh, diminished using it quite a bit. I diminished drinking. I stopped drinking for a year. And then when I came back, I was like enjoying a beer once a week or something. Um, and then pornography would be a thing that I would go to when I was on the verge of collapse, uh, because, you know, I hadn't dealt with my trauma. And so what happens in, in, in our minds is, we build in stress, build in stress, and then you get to a point where you can't take it anymore and you have an emotional collapse. Um, well, at least that's what happened with me. And usually at the times that I would have an emotional collapse, I would go to something that made me feel good. Mm. Um, and so I'm self-medicating. This is how I deal with the pain. Um, and so I told my wife about it. Um, I had I had started um, buying these like vitamins to like help my brain work and all this crap and it wasn't working, but I had lied to her about making the purchase because it was like a $20 purchase. And we have a rule where we, you know, we talk about things that we're buying. And anyways, I had lied about that. And then she was like, Hey, is there anything else you're lying about? And I was like, actually, yeah, this thing is really shitty. And from there, how was that moment, man? How did you decide not to just lie? Because I had been for years and it was destroyed. This is just the opportunity that you just said, oh gosh, this is, she asked me, so I'm just going for it. Yeah. Yeah. It was really, it, as, it was really terrifying. What it felt like was when I was like eight or nine and I was getting in trouble for, you know, having broken a cup or something and just being terrified of what was going to happen. Um, but yeah, man, I, I, told my wife. And then from there, I was able to tell her like, by the way, all this crap happened to me as a kid and I was abused and, uh, you know, I was like, whatever. Um, how, how was her response to you? Uh, it was, she was incredibly compassionate, which, um, 
I just attribute that to the grace of God in her life yeah. because I did not deserve to be treated that way. It now let me say it it has uh had recourse in our relationship. We've been rebuilding our relationship. It it pretty right. much destroyed any trust that her and I had uh had built over those first six years, seven years of marriage. Um it messed up a lot. But the fact was is that all of it was already messed up. It just there was a light sure. on it. You know? Right. Right. Um and I, so I'm sharing this because I think there are a lot of men that, you know, statistically we look at the divorce rate in the United States. We look at, you know, pornography use in the United States. It's a huge number and guys either dismiss it or they play it down or they lie about it or whatever. And it's a real thing. You mm-hmm. know, it's, it's a real, it's a drug, you know, the way that men abuse men or women abuse drugs or alcohol, it's the same thing. The The only difference is that rather than the consequences being physical, they're emotional and mental consequences, they're relational consequences. Um, and it's, it's a, it's a really big deal. So rebelling against that cycle in my life, um, that's been huge these last few years. Dude. Yeah. And I mean, it's clear, you know, what you want to create out of that, right? So you're rebelling against all these things and you're creating relationships that matter, a life that feels purposeful, meaningful. Um, And I think that's just true, right? You, it seems like you're just wanting to create a life that's just real, you know, like as I hear you talk about, about all this stuff. And I mean, even dude, like I didn't know we were going to talk about this and (laughs) your your transparency and honesty just to be like straight 100% true which leads you to an opportunity to have a life of excellence you know and i keep using that word because you use that word a lot in your um in your branding and your story for for valiant coffee uh which is which is so cool because I think, you know, so much of the time we see, you know, mission statements, purpose statements, value statements, all these things from these f- big, fantastic companies. And then the people behind it, the men, the fathers, the husbands behind it are not living their own life. And it even says in your about us, man, I'm just looking at my notes. It says, you know, we want, you know, why valiant and it's in bold, be excellent. It's a principle that we live by not only with our coffee, but in our homes and relationships. Mm-hmm. So like I'm circling that dude. So everything you just said is straight up, no joke to you. Yeah. Like for you to do that work and then share it with us means that is something that is real to you. So you're creating a reality that most people really, really want. But it's like, like we said, man, ripping off that freaking bandaid and then going to work on it. And it sounds like too, just based on what you're saying is um, like, this is also a craft for you, like fatherhood, life, manhood, marriage. Like those are also crafts because I think sometimes we go, okay, well, I told my wife, about this. Now we just all moved on and life is good. Now that's not really the reality. Like no. you said, she was full of grace and compassion, but then you had to go to work and it's not like there's an end in sight. It's like, you're going to keep being purposeful about 
crafting this marriage and relationship and fatherhood. Yeah. 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 And one of the things I like about uh, the word excellence um, is that excellence is attainable, whereas perfection is unattainable. We always try and strive. You know, we hear people talking, oh, I'm, I'm trying to be perfect. I'm striving to be perfect. You can't attain perfection. It's impossible. You know, anytime you use a tool, if that tool is damaged, it's going to be damaging the thing that it's working on. Um, and all of us mm. as humans are broken. We're all messed up. We all have our things. And if we try to lie to ourselves and say that we as broken things are going to make things that are not broken, that's just doesn't make sense. That's illogical. It's trying to take a sip of water from a, a, a glass that's got a sharp edge on it. It's going to cut you if you take a sip mm. out of it, you know, one way or another, maybe not the first time, maybe the 10th time. But with excellence, it's a striving. Excellence doesn't happen overnight. It isn't something that you just get there. You, you continually increase the standard by which you operate with excellence. Dude, there's so much here. So why don't you share that quote that you shared with me before we started recording? Yeah, there's a, a quote by um, Maya Angelou. My wife shared it with me. And it's, uh, she says, I'm going to, I'm probably, I'll try not to butcher it, but uh, do the best that you can until you know better. And when you know better, do better. Dude, that is excellence right there, right? Because like you, I might be an excellent father right now, but I want to continue to grow into my excellence. It's that's craft, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's progress. And that's, I think what life is really about is just progression. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's where joy and happiness comes from. It's like, I want to be content with who I am today, but also strive to know that there are still sharp edges on me mm-hmm. as a tool that I can continue to work on so that I can be the best for those around me. Yep. Why is that quote in particular? Is there anything else to it that, that uh, just kind of like drives you? I think just that it gives us permission to not be perfect. You know, it gives us permission to not be perfect and to realize like we haven't arrived. We're not there yet. We're doing the best that we can. And these are the tools that we have and we're doing, we're doing as much as we can to provide a product with integrity with everything that we've got. Um, but we haven't arrived yet, um, to go on another parenthetical trail to that. There's this movie on Netflix. I don't know if it's still up, but it's called hero dreams of sushi. Um, it's this Japanese guy who's a sushi chef. Um, and he uses this word called shokunin. It's uh, in it's a Japanese word that means, um, basically translates to the mastery of one's profession. Um, but it's this concept. It's this idea. Same thing. You'll never achieve perfection. So you're going to work your entire life at your craft, so that you can master it eventually. But but this guy in the movie, he's like in his 80s, 70s or 80s, and he's still. He still has not, in his mind, he still hasn't achieved perfection. He still hasn't mastered his craft. He's close, but you know. But let me ask you this: Yeah, did he seem like? Um, did he seem frustrated? Like, ah, I, I'm just not there. No, not at all. No, 
he enjoyed it, right? He enjoyed the process versus just thinking once I get to that destination, which is so just dude, American culture, it feels like once I get this figured out, then I'll be stoked. But if you realize that there isn't really a there, then you can enjoy the process along the way, knowing you don't have to be perfect, which I love that word, man, because I think we think we need to be perfect. So we end up just lying, like you said, and making it seem like we're perfect when really there's this dark stuff inside of us, which then means that my relationship with my wife and my kids and whatever else I do in life can never actually feel excellent or feel enjoyable because there's darkness in the lying. So, ah, dude, so good. So then I want to ask you this. Why the name Valiant? Um, Valiant was, I think, I think Kayla, I think my wife came up with it, but so my middle name is David and my business partner, his, he goes by Luke. That's his middle name, but his first name is Jonathan. And so if you ever read the Bible, there's this relationship between these two guys, David and Jonathan, they're best buds. Um, but for, you know, whatever reason they, they have to part ways. Um, and David goes off and he's running from the King of Israel at the time named Saul. He's on the run for like 16 years. And at one point he goes to this cave and all the people that are broken and that messed up and just in debt and stressed and jacked, they go out to David and they're like, Hey, we're going to follow you. We're just going to be where you are. And over the course of time, 16 years of them just being in the wilderness, David had already been anointed King, but he hadn't taken the crown yet. Um, Cause he was like, Hey, I'm not going to, I'm not going to kill Saul. Like he's the King. Like I can't kill him even though I'm anointed King. And people are telling me just take him out and be King. Like that's not right. I'm not going to do that. So David's constantly on the run. Um, and these guys through course of time, through, uh, there's this word, uh, we use it a lot, you know, preparing for something. Uh, I'll get into that in a second. But all these guys were being prepared. And near the end of David's life, actually uh, about the time that he's crowned king, Saul dies in a battle um, and David becomes king. These guys that were with him in the wilderness that were nobodies, they were just constantly on the run. They were bombarded with, you know, attacks from the enemy from all sides. David lists them as his mighty men of valor, the valiant mm-hmm. men. And the, we, we, we like that idea. Again, carrying with it this idea of excellence of like, I'm not there yet. I probably won't ever get there, but I'm working hard in this direction. You know? And it was you know, 16 years of hardship that these guys finally get the title, David's mighty men of valor, valor his valiant men, you know? Um, and I said that word earlier, being prepared, uh, in the culinary world, we have a little tiny knife. It's about, you know, three inches long called a paring knife. And when you prepare food, we call it, you know, the, when you're in the kitchen, there's prep and then service. And when you do prep, you're getting all your, your vegetables and your food ready, your mise en place ready, which means everything in its place. Um, but the paring knife is special, uh, because before we had vegetable peelers, we would use the paring knife. And you would take off the outer dirty layer of, let's say, a potato. You use your paring knife to prepare, to remove that which is unnecessary from the food product so that it's ready for use. And so these guys, for those 16 years, they were going through this process of being prepared. Pairing, 
taking away in advance so that they could be useful. And even along the way, they were useful, but it's just this, this process that continually happens is being prepared. Um, so that's kind so, of important. Dude. All right. You made this comment. Um, and so this is just, I mean, it's probably just big in my own life right now, but through everything you just said about valor and preparing and, 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 uh, you said, uh, they're working hard. This is something about direction. Mm-hmm. You said something about direction, prepared and direction. And what I love about this and something actually you told me. So something you told me when we spoke on the phone a couple of weeks ago, when we first met is uh, you said that you've focused on one business. You've had opportunities for others, but you focused on this one. And, and that's really hard to say no to something that really looks amazing but the only way you can do that is if you know where you're going. Mm-hmm. And so to, to, to go on top of this little journey of Ned is I'm reading this book called The One Thing right now. And it just had this section where it talked about how Alice in Wonderland, Alice is, is going and she goes and she stops by the Cheshire cap, Cat and she says, which way should I go? And he says, well, that all depends on where you're headed. And she said, well, I don't know where I'm headed. And he says, well, then it doesn't really matter which way you go. Mm-hmm. And I bring that up because everything you're talking about, about preparation and peeling the skin and valor and valiant and all these things, like, you know where you're headed, not only as a coffee craftsman, but also as a father and a husband and just overall as a man. And the reason I want to pause and bring this up is I think the first thing men need to do is just stop and decide where they're going. Like, look at yourself at 85 years old. You look in the mirror. What do you want to see? What do you want to feel about yourself? What do you want to feel about your relationships with your, with your, whoever your spouse is or your kids are, your grandkids or possibly great grandkids, Mm -hmm. the work you do today, like, you know, where you're headed, that gives you a purpose of why you're going to do this continual prep work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And dude, you're doing that and you're sharing that with us, which is just so incredible. Oh man. Thanks. Yeah, it makes me think of uh, there's there's this verse that says, uh, "Children are like arrows in the hand of a mighty warrior," and it's it has this picture of you know if you've ever shot a shot a bow, you know you put the arrow in the notch, pull it back, and as soon as you let go, it has a trajectory and it's going in that direction, and even the slightest adjustment of your aim is going to affect where that arrow goes. And so like with our kids, knowing what we're pointing at, what's our target, we have to know that and then be careful and precise in where we release them into the world. Dude, that's powerful. And I think that it goes back to what you've been talking about the last, the last, you know, while we've been having this conversation is, the bow matters as well. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, and you got to put the work into the bow. Otherwise you can't expect that you're setting that arrow up for very good success. Yeah. And there's still hope and there's still grace, but the opportunity you have as a father is heavy. And all us men, we want a battle. We want a good fight. 
And if we could just realize that in our homes, there's this incredible fight, this incredible battle opportunity we have. Yeah, it's long. It's a long game, Mm -hmm. right? It's a long game. But if we could accept that and every day go to battle on that, man, that'd be incredible. All right. So here's my last question. My last question is, you're starting off on your journey, right? You have a four-year-old and another one on the way and and you're at that that stage where you've got the the babies and the toddlers. You know, 30 years from now, say you peer into the homes of your children and you see the families that they are creating and building. What is the legacy that you want to see? What is the the work that you've put in today that when you peer into their homes, you're going to see the work that you did? And it might not be that they're saying, our dad did this, but it's the day in, day out words and actions that built a legacy. What do you want to see in those homes? Mm, it's a really good question. I think... Uh... Growing up, there's the message that I remember hearing a lot, and maybe it's still, it's still out there. But this message of you can do anything, you know th- that that was a thing that I remember hearing a lot. You can do whatever you want, put, if you put your mind to it. Um, I would like to see my kids have. I think I would like to see them have an understanding, and the message that I'd like them to to go on with is they can choose to do whatever they want, but whatever you put your hand to, to do it with excellence, to commit. Um, I think that that message of, you know, you can do whatever you want if you put your mind to it, tends to create a lot of confusion. Um, I think I would like to to know my kids enough to see what they're really good at naturally. Mm. Um, my son, he loves trains. He loves playing with we got him a, a electric train that's like from the seventies. He's been playing with that for the last few weeks and uh, he loves trains, but he's actually, he's really good. He's a really good singer, uh, which is weird, but we got him a guitar when he was two and he, you know, he's been playing it and he's learning chords, um, learning little notes, but he's got a really good voice. And, you know, I don't want to push him into music if he doesn't like it. You know, he may, He's told me a couple of times, he's like, yeah, when I grow up, I want to be an engineer. Like if he wants to work on a train, do it, you know, whatever, whatever brings you joy. I want to see you do that, you know? Um, so I think for my kids, like I want them to, I want to see them grow up and have confidence that they know who they are and that they can choose what they want to do and be content in that thing. That's, that's the legacy I want to leave for my kids. I love it. Oh, Eric, man, uh, dude, you're an inspiration, man. Sitting and talking to you for the last while has just been super incredible. I know that everybody who listens to this is going to walk away just inspired, um, by your words, man, especially the perfection versus excellence, I think is a message that men, fathers, husbands are in desperate need of. So super rad, dude, keep being yourself, keep working on your crafts, all of the crafts that you have. Um, keep being the husband, father, and friend that you are and keep making great coffee and inspiring people. I'm excited to continue to get to know you and uh, drink your amazing coffee, man. Man, thank you. 
Thanks so much. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, dude, it was really, really good. And I uh, appreciate the time we had together. Was that conversation not just incredible? I had no idea what to expect. Moments before we had our conversation, we hadn't even met but one time on the phone. And it was just such an amazing moment to really hear truth and depth from a dude who is serious about life. Incredible. I just want to drink Valiant Coffee and support him and his family. I know right now they're having a uh, special. So go on their website, Valiant Coffee. Uh, through May, they have a special going on. So go get a bag of their coffee. Go to Rebel and Create or go check out our Instagram right now and check out the Father's Day gift we're doing for this coming Father's Day. There's only 50. So if you know a dad you want to get one for, you're probably going to want to get that quick. Um, we just wanted to do a small run and see how people enjoy the idea of a gift for a dad around Father's Day. Check that out. Thank you guys for listening. Apply excellence to your craft of fatherhood as you make fatherhood a craft where it is something that you are engaging in as part of your adventure of life. Incredible, incredible. And then do what Eric did and share that with others. Find ways to share your story. And I want to thank all you dads out there listening to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. What you do matters. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in the craft of fatherhood. And as always, please share this if you found it valuable. Please write a review if you found it valuable. We want to spread the word that fatherhood matters. You can go follow us and like us on Facebook and Instagram and stay in tune with all things that Rebel and Create is up to. Talk to you next time. Oh, 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 oh